Hi, my beautiful people. This is Spill With Me, Jenny D. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so excited. I've been wanting to do this for so long. I'm giving you a real big hug right now. I don't know if you can feel it, but I'm giving you this big hug because I feel like everybody needs a hug or a, hey, you're doing great or you look nice or just compliment each other. I mean, see, I felt like I needed to start this because I've been running into so many people that just want to talk about their life experiences, the relationships or like any story they needed to share. This could be something magical or something they wanted to share, but they're afraid of what others would think, me included. Or if you're hurting inside or have a funny story about life lessons you'd like to talk about, I would love for you to reach out. This could be the worst or your best times. Listen, I have some good topics. We're going to have a lot of fun because I believe the best medicine is to talk about it because someone else is dealing with the same shit. Hi, my beautiful people. This is another episode of Spill With Me, Jenny D. And I have the pleasure of having this husband and wife that I met. I think it was down in South Point. And when I talked to Joe and Sue Sweeney and what they're doing with the Servo Project, it's mind-blowing. You're going to want to listen to what they're doing and how they're helping. This is something that we really need to talk about. So without uh, further ado, I'm going to introduce Joe and Sue. Say hi. Hi, Jenny. How are you? Hi, Jenny. Hi. So, Joe, tell us a little bit of background on you. Well, I'm born and raised in Pittsburgh. Uh, still living Let's here. Let's go Stullers. Yeah, yeah. Pittsburgh or Yinzer, you know, <laughs> my whole life. But um, started my career off in law enforcement with the Pittsburgh Police Department. I was there for 11 years. Primarily, most of my assignment during my career was a SWAT team in Bond Squad. But after 9-11, my career took a turn and I got involved in anti-terrorism with the Department of Homeland Security. There were some job openings for explosive security specialists. So oh, wow. I, I was fortunate enough to make the move and, and got hired. And I did that for a few years. And then in 2009, I went into government contracting. And there I work in the anti-terrorism program. It's a program under the U.S. State Department okay. called anti-terrorism. And I've been doing that for 15 years. And we deploy to countries all over the world. Who and you're are, doing that now? I am. Contracts come and go different times of the year, and you deploy to these countries that are allied with the United States. And my most recent one was two months ago. I was in the Middle East. And prior to that, I spent three and a half years in Afghanistan. Oh, my goodness. Now, wait, Sue, Mm -hmm. he travels a lot. Absolutely. Six months of the year, he was gone. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Two years ago, he was in Afghanistan for six months, left in like October and didn't come home till Easter so he was gone the whole all of the holidays and then he was in Afghanistan when it fell what do you mean hun when when all that went down last year he was in Afghanistan in a remote camp up in the mountains with 15 other Americans I thought I'd lost him that day oh my gosh yeah you did Joe told me this off the air that you know they were looking to get home and there was just no way yeah it's mass chaos yeah. you know it, it, we had seen a decline of that occurring for a year Basically, that last two weeks, it just was deteriorating every day, you know. You're risking your life yeah, to yeah. help other people. Yeah, well, I had nine Afghan partners, and I mean, it's a, the, the program's a little complex, but we would be training them in explosive countermeasures, hostage rescue, close quarters battle, a lot of trust there with yeah. these individuals, oh, yeah. you know, and of course we were we were in a semi-remote place, you know, but Taliban's always always there, you know, always around. See, so we, we don't talk about that because, you know, yeah. we're thinking everything's okay. Oh, everybody thinks that it's all great in Afghanistan now. They don't realize right. what, there's nothing on our news about it, but there's atrocities going on in Afghanistan as we speak. Yeah, that like we're thinking, oh, the terrorists aren't here, you know, we're good now, but because they're not talking about it. Yeah, well, we're, we're still involved there. As a nonprofit, we have another group that several of us that were working there started a nonprofit to help our partners who are still being terrorized. They're in hiding. And also, the Servo Project is supporting a couple families there mothers and kids because their husbands had worked for the U.S. government. Okay. So, so tell us, you know, with you, you having your job doing that. Why did you start this Sarvia project? This all started in in my job with the anti-terrorism section. A friend of mine called me in 2016 who had been retired from the federal government for years and said uh, he had some kidnapped American children that they think they located in South America. And he had been doing this for years where an American would marry a foreign national that have some kids either by design or the marriage just didn't work, leave with the kids illegally. 
Then they'd leverage them for money. Sometimes they put the kids in some pretty bad situations with other family members. Oh, no. So he would go into these countries. You know, if people can do that, like if you don't have citizenship, like if they're born in the U.S., wouldn't they be, they shouldn't be taken from the Yeah, US? you know, I mean, they, they can drive across the border. Oh, you know, yeah. the border's really not that secure. And so they drove across there and they ended up, I think, in South America. Okay. It looks different every every way. Right. Sometimes they might have said they're going home to see their family and just not come back. I mean, or sometimes they were forcibly taken or, you know, illegally. Wow. And so when he called me, he goes, hey, where are you at? And I said, well, I'm in the Middle East or else. And um, I told him, I said, look, I, I probably won't be home for another five weeks, but I'll yeah. call you. But it was a simple conversation that he asked me to be part of the team to go get these kids. And it sent me down a path of just researching kidnapped American children. So I started looking into it while I was there. Because you have your nights to yourself. There ain't a whole lot to do in these trips. And really, for the next seven to nine months, I'd come home, talk to Sue about it. I'm uncovering this human trafficking, child exploitation, child predator piece. And its numbers at the time, in 2016, they were estimating 27 million people a year are sold into slavery. What? Sex trafficking, forced labor. And the child predator piece isn't even included in that because it's a very hard number to identify. Right. And with, you know, with social media mm-hmm. and things like that, they have access to get a hold of people and get through yeah. to people. Yeah. And the revenue generated at the time was around $110 billion. Oh my. Billion. So as I started to look into this and, and why it's occurring, and it was eight months or so, because you know, I'd leave again on another contract, come back, and, and it was something I would just fill my time with. The more I discovered, it was it was somewhat embarrassing to me because I'd been a lot of places. You know, yeah. I lived in the Middle East for a year as an advisor. Uh, Sue was able to come stay for a while. It was in Qatar. You know, it was, it was safe, safe. Were country. you scared, Sue, being there? No, uh, because I was always with Joe. If I went out, I was in a a complex, a gated complex, and if we went out from there, I was always with Joe. But you did get some funny looks because they're not used to seeing blonde women. Right, you're blonde. Right, and you had to make sure your shoulders were covered all the time. You know, you've got to adhere to their kind of dress rules. Yeah, and and it's a safe country. Yeah. Oh, it is? Qatar is, yeah. Oh, okay. I was thinking, uh, yeah. You know, and... So I saw some of the forced labor there, but I was busy doing other things. But after that eight months, it was like God stuck it on my forehead with a posting note. I couldn't get it off. I couldn't. You were quit. thinking about it and thinking all the time. It, yeah, all the time. And I spoke to a lot of law enforcement connections and friends and other people in the government service. And I went back four years. And I saw this trajectory of just every year it exponentially grows. So I asked them why. What were their thoughts? And they basically all had the same answer. They said, Joe, we don't have the manpower budget to keep up. The cases pile up on our desk. We're handling them, but it takes time. Right. You need more people. But it's such a growing crime that we can't keep up. And I'll give you an example. Even after we started the Acerva Project, we had a case where we were looking to hand it over. And one of the detectives said, Joe, just do some more on it because I have 260 cases on my desk and I'm the only one assigned in my office. So these types of answers drove us to come up with a model. Being foreign law, foreign law enforcement, former Homeland Security, right. I started asking my friends and my colleagues and all the people I work with in my government contracting world too and said, listen, if we come up with a model to help law enforcement, I think they'd be agreeable and, and really want that. So I asked them, I said, if I developed a nonprofit because we thought no one's going to pay us. And Sue Sue has the, the business experience. I mean, she's an accountant, and like no one's going to contract us, right? Right? They're not even funding the police departments properly, right? So we start this nonprofit, and if we do the investigations, if we do the internet tracking and hunting of predators online, we build the case for you. You know, we verify it vet it, make sure everything's accurate, that this crime's going on. We identify these people. We basically share it with the law enforcement agencies involved. Would that be of assistance? And they all were, let us know when you start. Oh, you're kidding. See that? We save them them weeks of work. 
right in their complex cases. Do that little mm-hmm, yeah. beginning part mm-hmm. before, and that's how it started. And it's really grown from there. That was the initial model, and we've certainly tweaked it because it's a crime that's always changing. It looks different, right. so we really, really are heavily vested into identifying predators online, especially after COVID. Oh yeah, eighty-eight percent of this now has been driven online. The oh. buying and selling of sex, even for children, is is now estimated that all that occurs on the internet. On social media. Social media, the internet, dating platforms, chat rooms, escort sites, uh, you name it. How would someone know, Sue, that, you know, they're talking to a predator? How would you know? You wouldn't, other than the fact that, and we tell the kids this all the time, don't talk to somebody you don't know online. If it's somebody you haven't physically met, it could be anybody. Right. You could have a picture, you could be a girl talk, thinking you're talking to a 16-year-old guy, meanwhile it's a 50-year-old guy in India. Right. You have no idea. You have no idea. If you haven't met that person personally, you should not be talking to them on the internet, especially if you're you're young and vulnerable. Right, it does scare you because it's very you know, scary. Now that I'm in social media a lot, I get a lot of people that'll send me friend requests and I look at there and I'm like, I don't know, this doesn't look right. You can just see, you know, if they don't have, they haven't posted in a while or their pictures, they have no pictures of themselves on there. Right. Just other photos. You're thinking, okay, is this, is this, you know, is this person real? Sure. That's what the scary part is. I think as, you know, the younger generation, they think social media is, oh, you know. It's gospel. Yeah. It's not, you know, nothing's going to happen to me. Well, you have to think back to when we were 13. When we were 13, we all thought we were infallible too. You thought, nothing's going to happen to me, you know. But unfortunately now, it's much more of a scary situation being 13 than it was when we were 13. Because they can find you. Like, they can find your location. Sure. And and you have to realize also, as Joe said, when we started this, it was 27 million people a year were put into slavery. It's now 50 million. It's almost doubled in six years. Doubled in six years. Almost doubled in six years, yeah. And it's now $150 billion a year criminal enterprise. It's it's the second largest crime in the world after drugs, and it's going to overtake the drug trade if it carries on growing like it is. Oh, my. So uh, how did you come up with the name? Well... What we realized early on is nobody really understood it or was talking about it. So we were thinking, we need a name that starts the conversation. And I was away, and I was churning. You know, we were starting to develop and put this template together and this mm-hmm. model. And just all of a sudden, I thought, I wonder if there's a word in Latin or something that translates into rescue. So I basically got on Google Translate and typed in rescue, guard, protect, and I looked at Latin and Greek in a servo. The verb a servo came up. A servo. So I'm like, the spell, servo. Spell that, Joe. A-S-S-E-R-V-O. Okay. And it's a Latin and Greek verb that means rescue, overwatch, protect. Wow. So I'm like, okay, the servo project. So I, I, I came home and talked to Sue, and we had a small group of people around the table, you know, three or four. Everybody liked it, so we went with the name. The Osovo Project. And then the logo was similar. You know, our logo is a shield with a large hand reaching down to a small child's hand, like yes. to pick them up out of it. And and Sue had mentioned uh, shortly after we had the name, she goes, you know, I had this sort of vision about this parent, this adult hand helping a child, you know, reaching them and pulling them up yeah. to rescue them on a shield. I said, okay. You know, so we kind of sketched it out. And then we met one of our board members at the time, who was actually a graphic artist, too. So we had a meeting with him, and he goes, hey, I got some ideas. And he had the exact same thing drawn on a piece of paper. you got to be kidding me. Oh, but it gets even more. (laughs) Yeah, a large hand to a small hand on a shield. Yeah. And about four days later, I'm talking to one of our board members at this point. It's a soon-to-be board member. And he says, hey, man, he says, "I, I, I had a dream about our logo. And I said, what do you got? And he goes, about an adult reaching down, picking up a child, their hand, and having the hands on a background. Everybody had the Every same. Three people or within a few days all had the same I like dream. And when I first saw it, it was like I was in a twilight zone. It was the first thing in the morning, and I wasn't really asleep, but I wasn't awake either, you know, and I, that's when I came down and told Joe about it. And <laughs> so three people within a couple of days had exactly the same idea. It's amazing. So guess what the logo is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 
Yeah. It's a big hand. You know, yeah, and when all this was occurring, it, it was, you know, it was exciting and also tasking. You know, we knew we had a large, large thing here and we had to do it right. Right. And so we incorporated in 2017. We made a decision we're going to do something and we have the name now, the logo. Right. And then we applied for our nonprofit status the same year. And for about the, a year and a half, we had our own office. We leased an office, and we really built the organization out. Sue started to really study nonprofit accounting because she's always been a for-profit right. accounting person. And then, you know, with the cyber piece, we were out there getting servers donated, and I had IT people and some of the folks I knew in the analytical world put this program together. It's and a project. It, really it was is. a big project. You know, we had some really good people early days, and we still got really good people now. And fast forward five years, we have four, five analysts, you know, some part-time and some folks that are a little bit more active because they all have jobs. Right. Working different sections of this cyber analytics We've developed strategic partners. We've developed a education and awareness program. What we realized is you have the predators out here, and and they're going after these kids as some as young as seven, eight, nine years old. So now we develop, we we realize the need for an education awareness program to get into schools. Right. We were talking about that. Yeah. So that started this year. These high schools. Yeah, we yeah, spoke yeah. to well and over, younger. Yeah, younger really? high schools. Yeah. Okay, like middle school. Yeah. 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 Junior high. Mm-hmm. So we've spoke to uh, you know over twelve hundred students this year, and we're booking more for next year. I think year. it's getting through to them. Some yes. of them. Yes, when, when they, you yeah. tell them the stories, and mm-hmm. uh, you were telling me that off the air, it's. You know, I'm so passionate about what you're doing, and I thank you guys for doing this because, you know, we can sit back as Americans and just be like, oh, I can't do anything about it. Sorry. Like, you know, it's out of my hands. Mm. But awareness, awareness, awareness. Awareness, yeah. We have to get through to the the kids because when a girl gets... The average age for a girl to be taken into trafficking is 14 years old. And when they do get involved in trafficking, their life expectation is only seven years. They either commit suicide, drug overdose, murdered. You know, it's it, it's horrific. And if they do get out of it, they've got years of counselling before they can go back into normal right. life. Because some of them have been trafficked since they're like 12 years old. They don't know how to boil an egg or yeah. bounce a checkbook or... Right. do anything other than that it's very difficult so now we realize we have to get to the kids before they get duped into going into this right because i mean what do you so if you could give us like an example of uh, a real story joe sure that has happened to someone and i i'm going to ask you this too somebody told me that pittsburgh is a big it's like what number 10 or something on sex trafficking pennsylvania pennsylvania yeah do you, and they said that because we have these highways, yes. you can get on that highway and you can be in Ohio, you can be in Maryland, you can be in West Virginia, another yeah. state. I, I think that's true, but that's not needed to traffic people. A lot of people uh, think trafficking is moving. Right. Because it's called that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because now, like after COVID, 88% of this occurs online. The buying and selling occurs online. 88% of the... How does that happen? Well, they have all the escort sites. They have all these chat rooms. They have all these platforms. And these are for people who have already been manipulated. Their vulnerability has been exploited. And now they're selling them. They're with their trafficker. And there's a thing called trauma bond, traumatic bonding, where the, the person being trafficked is so reliant on their trafficker, and it's done many ways. It could be a drug issue. It could be they love them. A lot of times these relationships are groomed as a boyfriend or girlfriend, and then they flick the switch. Right. Tell me that story you did tell me off the air, that this this fellow was dating this girl. Yeah, yeah. Now, was he foreign or was he... No, no. See, I think we think sometimes that they're coming in from other countries. Right. Everybody thinks that. It's here. It's in America. And it's American people taking American Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the one case that, well, she has her own ministry now. She had a baby at 17, 18. So she didn't go to college. Graduated high school early. She was very smart. And this is called the Romeo method. There's a dozen different ways that these people groom and manipulate these yeah. people in. But this girl that Joe was talking about, she she wasn't. It's not like she was in a bad situation. She was. It was white suburbia in Oregon. I mean, she was cheerleader, 
grade eight student, you know, it wasn't like right something bad. So I'll let you finish the story, Joe. But yeah, well, she had to, she had a baby. She decided to have the baby first of all. Now, was it with someone who's yeah? But he didn't like stick a, around. Okay, this was a different fella. Okay. So she she forewent her scholarship to, to this big university, and then after she had the baby, she had some friends at a local college. They had an extra room in the apartment. So why don't you come up and start taking some classes? You know, get started. So she did. Met this guy. Started at the dating. Campus, at the yeah, campus. well, no, no. He, he wasn't at the campus. He said he was a music producer. Had a couple bands that he managed. I'm they, sure you're going to believe that. Well, yeah. I mean, he, mm-hmm. they went out. They dated. She, he met her entire family. She got this little girl. They dated for like so six months, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, six, seven, eight months. And then he's like, listen, uh, a couple of the bands are going down to Vegas. They got some really good gigs down there. I think this is the next lift for success for us. And, of course, she wanted to go. She thought she was going to marry this guy. Right. He seemed like he loved her daughter, loved her. So they pack up and they go to Vegas. And he literally pulls directly up to an escort service and said, I got a lot of money invested in you. He said, I got first and last month's rent. I got a refrigerator full of food. You're going to have to pay me back. And if you don't, you're going to find that child on the street. And she describes it as she was felt so trapped and shamed and afraid. Right. Because this guy knew knew about her. I mean, and that's what happens. Oh, that's just one example they of They get how, so close to you that you And that's what happens them. with these kids online. These 13, 14, 15-year-old kids, they befriend them online as whoever this profile is. They ask them all this unassuming information, like, oh, what your parents do? What your brothers and sisters? What do you like? Mm-hmm. What do they like? They get a, a dossier basically built on them, and they find out what's important to them. They'll also find out if there's a vulnerability there. Mm-hmm. And if there isn't one... So they're seeking people like They yes, are. Absolutely. And right now... Kids are vulnerable, but like we said, after COVID, I mean, they were stuck at home. Kids were stuck in homes with domestic violence issues, alcoholism, mm-hmm. drug addiction. They Just couldn't neglect, escape. Neglect. Yeah, dysfunction. So they're, yeah. they're looking for some attention. Bad Absolutely. parents. Just yeah. bad parents. Yeah. Just so, looking for love. So yes. now they're online looking for this, and uh, these predators are masters at developing this rapport. So that's how it happens online to these young kids. And then, hey, how about sending me a picture? Or a video, because all these kids right now are sharing them with their friends in school. I just left a meeting right before we met today. Foster parents talking about, you know, their foster son, and he was there, and they admitted to us. We go in these schools, they're like, hey, everybody's doing it. We had a 12-year-old. The mother called us hysterically. She got into her daughter's phone, and she had videos and pictures she was sending out to her friends in school. She was floored at what was being sent there. She even said, she goes, Joe, there, in the video, there was parts of my daughter I've never seen. Oh, my gosh. That's heartbreaking. So she was in a panic. And we actually were speaking at their church in a week. And we met her. And daughter was there. Yeah. A.B. student, cheerleader, dance team, active in kids' ministry at the church. I said, did you ask her why she's doing this? She goes, yeah, I did. And her answer was, Mom, everybody's doing it. It's what we do now. Yeah, no big thing. No big thing. It's normalized. And we've... We found that 50% of kids, at least 50% of kids in schools at that age are doing this now. They send, they're sending like child pornography, basically. Basically, basically yeah. Or, or an approached, or some of them who haven't, they've been approached, for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's peer pressure. Yeah. You know, what they don't so understand. So you can get that easily online because you think this person doesn't know you won't send it off yeah. to anybody you right. know. Well, then, of course, you have the situation where, oh, I'm in love with this boy. I, you know, I, I, have 14 year, I have to send him a picture. He's my boyfriend. She's, you know, yeah. I, we've been talking all this time. Well, then two weeks later, they break up. Now the boy's sharing it with every other boy in right. the school. And they don't realize that photo never, ever, ever goes away. Never. Yeah. That's they don't a, understand that. that. Yeah, that was a que- uh, question that we were talking about too with with our phones. It's not private. No. Right. Right. It's being seen by. I mean, you can yeah. see what's going on. Well, and once they start sharing them in their circles, it's just like the old multiple. You know, who knows where it's going to go? Right. And it is child pornography. And if these predators can get them, they sell it as child pornography. Oh, geez. You know, there's other places on the internet like the deep web and dark web where it's very difficult to track but there's a lot of these child pornography sites there because it's hard to identify who's doing it right due to the the way it's built 
you know, the can internet's built. Can you see who's oh, they have live, it? They, yeah. have, they okay. have live so, streams. Well, you can't see who's, who's viewing, viewing it. it but. There is, it's a complicated process that I don't even understand completely, but it's a much secure format and platform for these people to get away with this. The only, I think it was Homeland or one of, one of the agencies did a test. They loaded what people thought was a child pornography video on there. And they charge for this stuff. It's like 10 bucks. They're making money. Well, they had a fake. It looked like it was, and they were going to see how fast and how many downloads occurred. It was like 100,000 people in like 15 minutes downloaded this video, Are you which was a fake. Man? Child predators are everywhere. We've probably spoken to over 6,000 people, hun. Oh, easily, yeah. Half. We have somebody come up to us and talk about how they were abused as a kid, either by a family friend their mother, their father, their step-parents, their brother, their cousin, their cousin's friend. And once it happens, they don't tell anybody because they're like, don't tell anybody or we won't tell anybody because of the right. shame. And oh, the, the shame, the guilt. And it occurred. And then it's just, they got them. And some of those, some of those kids end up being trafficked. Some of them end up being screwed up for quite some time. Some of them, it stops. It usually stops as they get older right. because you're starting to get older and you realize, especially if it's from a parent or a trusted person, that it wasn't your fault. It's, yeah, yeah, it's not right. And, but, you know, when they and, get to 11 or 12 And then they just like, bury it, right. and right. when they're 30 and 40, I mean, we've had many conversations with people who actually forgot about it, but then something triggered it mm-hmm. in their life at yeah. 40. So this thing's a behemoth. It looks so many different ways, different age groups, different demographics. Would you say it's mostly women? It is mostly women, but there are men too there were abused. Boys. Yeah, there were boys being abused. You know, it's yeah. probably 80%, 85%. Sex trafficked boys? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Some of these guys want to have see? sex with little boys. Yeah. I See, I don't see that. Oh, my gosh. When you say that, Sue, that just... It's just a fact. And just, I know. It's a we fact. just spoke to a woman where we spoke last week. She was abused by an elder of her church when she was 12 or 13. This yeah. is where you're well, supposed well, to be this, safe. Yeah, this woman's older. She's older now in her 70s. Yeah. So. And the, the and guy's then, dead who did it, but he passed away. He got away with it because she didn't tell anybody. Then he abused her son when he was a kid at like 14. So it just kind of like yeah. evolved to... Like, and, and she's... She knew about it? Yeah. What? And then, you know... Nobody believed it because he was an elder of the church. Yeah, I mean, we've heard, I mean, we, we, we really, you know, we it's hours of statements we get from right. people's situations. And you know what, and for me to say, oh my gosh, why didn't she say something or why, I can't say that. You don't know what people are going through. Well, kids are terrified. Kids right. are terrified to say something because right. they think it's their fault. Right. And as Joe and said, gonna be blamed. it's not usually until they're about 12 years old they realize that it's, this isn't normal. There was a case we heard when we first started this of a guy in Australia who didn't get married until he was in his 30s. And it wasn't until he got married, he didn't realize it wasn't normal to have sex with your parents. What? Because he'd been brought up to have sex with his parents and he thought everybody did that. Oh, my gosh. So things like that occur. And that's probably fairly unusual, but, but... it happens. You've heard it all. We've heard it all. Oh, yeah. and just when you think you've heard it all? You hear something worse. Yeah. Something else. One of the analysts will call me and go, hey, I find this on, on one of our sites investigating. Right, because there, are there parents, like, selling their children? Yes. Sure. For drug yeah. money especially. We had a case three years ago. I got a call from one of our partners. We, we do partner with restoration and recovery organizations because... That's their expertise. So if we have a victim call us or somebody, you know, we can refer them to there for the help and, and all the things, you know, the resources they need. So she, I got a call from them. They're like, listen, I have a girl here. She's 21. She wants to talk to you. She's been trafficked almost her whole life. So I go down and meet them. It's another state. Girl's 21. We sit down. It's, she seems fine. She just got out of it two months ago. She goes, well, I guess you want to know how it all started. I said, sure. Got out of where, honey? Trafficking, oh, trafficking. Like how, how this whole trafficking life started for me. Oh. I said, sure, because she had information she wanted to share with us on her net trafficking. It could be helpful, yeah. She said, well, it all started when I was about three or four when my mother started selling me for drug money. Oh, my gosh. And her mother did that till she was roughly 15 or so. I think the first time she was eight, they saw, and then she sold her outright. I thought, it was, and I thought it, she was a teenager. Was it? And, well, she sold her whatever, it was like 13 or 15, I think. Jesus. 
she sold her for $5,000 to a trafficker. Then he sold her after about four years, when she to was about 19 trafficker. or so, 18, mm-hmm. 19, to another trafficker for five grand. Oh, my gosh. She can't, and she can't run. There's she no, can't run. I mean. They're going to find her. Yeah. First of all, she doesn't really yeah. know anything. She doesn't know anything. She doesn't. Imagine if you've been trafficked since you were three. You know nothing else. Right. You don't know how to do anything else. And she's not getting money. No, there no, are the well, traffickers getting the money. Yeah, yeah they you know, and they control them that way. They control them with their housing, their food, what clothing, what accessories, right? And it looks different there. Some, some are pretty brutal. Some are, I mean, as far as the physical treatment, right? But the mental abuse and the, and the mental tortures there. And but they do realize, like she realized, she wanted out. You know, she found a guy she liked because they have freedom. They're not all chained to the bed. Oh, once they have control on them, you know that movie Taken. Yeah, everybody thinks that's what it's like, and that is one percent of it. You know, but it's not the norm. Okay. So once they have this trauma bond on them, they're not going to go anywhere because they're holding something that they love or that they need, whether it be drugs, whether it be your kids, whether it be your parents. They threaten that they're going to with kill all those. their family, yeah. yeah, or them. I mean, many or times younger it, brothers and sisters. You know, and, and some of the beatings that some of these people have taken—that's also part of it. And it's a very difficult cycle to break once they're in because they're so afraid. You know, it's until they really hit a point, like Sue said. You know, that seven-year average is where they come to the end of their rope, where either they're so bad on drugs they just kick them loose. And then they go in the street and they're, they're just, unless they get rehabilitation for their figure, drug use, yeah. they're just mm-hmm. gone. Or they commit suicide. Or they, some of them just reside themselves. This is the life. You know, some do break away and they find these, you know, they get into the programs and they get the help. But it's it's all of the above. And they're probably so fearful thinking mm-hmm. they're going to come after them. Sure. Yeah. They tell yeah. what's going So that woman that's and how, one. And how she got out was her grandfather yeah. raised $5,000 to buy her because her trafficker was a violent, abusive trafficker. <sighs> And so he raised enough money that he let her go without him coming after her. And she was in a state. She was in the U.S.? Yeah, yeah. Right next to Pennsylvania. So what wow. we have realized, as, you, as we said before, we have to educate these kids on what could happen to them because right. it is certainly... I mean, trafficking has been going on since the beginning of time but and slavery, but not to the extent it is now because right. it is growing exponentially, as we said, from 27 million when we started to 50 million now, you know. And so we have to get to these kids and make them realize the dangers of social media because it's social media that's getting them into this. They are talking to people they don't know, giving away information that right. they, they're not realizing they're doing because they might be just playing a game with somebody or they think they're talking to this cute boy in another state and he said, well, what, what does your mum do for a living? My mum does this. What does your mum do? You know, mm-hmm. They're getting and your they, background. And they're gradually getting everything. Yeah. They also, we've had situations um, where they will ask them to send a picture and the, the minute they send a picture, they start sending me $150. Or I'm going to put this all over your social media. I know oh where you my. go to they school. They blackmail you. They blackmail. Sextortion, it's called. We had a case recently. Yeah, uh, a friend a, of mine. A friend of ours. Yeah. Uh, their son did that. Uh, he thought he'd send a photo to a girl, and it was <gasps> within minutes of sending the photo. How scary. Mm-hmm. And I do, I truly believe, and we have no stats on this, but I truly believe you know that they keep putting on the news that teenage suicides have gone up through COVID. I believe that a lot of that is that because the kids get in a situation where they feel they can't get out of it they can't, yeah. and they're being blackmailed and they don't tell anybody and they're so ashamed yeah. You know, I, I really think that's happening a lot. Yeah. And, and that's why we developed a tip line, too. We have our own tip line because the national tip line was overwhelmed. People weren't getting calls back or didn't answer. So people would call us, you know, when they find out about this happening to their children. And even when we're in the schools, the goal is to empower the kids. Listen, we're not the police. We're not judging. Right. We're here to help you. And we have resources to help you get out of this. Tough road ahead. Once you make that mistake, right. it's not the end of the world. 
Right, and it's not your fault. I mean, I think yeah. right. that's what they, you know, I'm, I'm well, it's speculating the shame. what, yeah. It's the shame, it's the shame. that they and bank this, on that. And they're scared of what their parents are going to say or their pastors or their friends. So we try to empower them and maybe... Give them that confidence. And back. we also realize that kids that are in the middle of this might not even realize they are. They might be talking to somebody and they think they're perfectly fine, but their friends might see oh, she's 15 and she's talking to a 20-year-old. Right. Oh, this could be a bit suspicious. So their friends might see it even if they Before don't see they it. See it. Yeah. Oh, no, he sure. loves me. We're yeah. in oh, love. that's right. Yeah, we're in love, yeah. And one of the new things was the sugar daddy. Oh, yeah, that's, you know. we, that was oh. the thing we could not believe. Yes. Yeah. All I, these girls want a sugar daddy. Yeah, hey, I, I just want to talk to you. I'm going to send you, you know, yeah. whatever, whatever. I mean, I even got it, and I'm 50. Who wants yeah. to? I'm yeah. thinking, this is a hoax, or what is yeah. going on here? Well, they we paid him, too. Yeah, we had 90 people, bucks. He just pays me 90 bucks just to kiss and cuddle for an hour. <laughs> really? Yeah, what, do you really think this is going to stop there, you know? I know. Oh, my God. But they think that's a cool thing to do, to have a sugar daddy. See, I live in a naive world, too. I have to. I think most of us do. Because, you know, you you want to just shut that book and say, okay, I don't want to know about it because there's nothing I can do about it. I'm just, you know, a person living in a state where, you know, I don't see it. I don't hear it. It's fine. But if, you know, hearing a story, and I told Joe this uh, when we were talking offline, and I'm going to tell you, Sue, I have a friend that was away in Florida, and she's 40. You know, she's a mom. She's got, she has two little boys, and she was at a store in this mall, and her husband was at the food court. And she's, you know, just be about in her business, not thinking anything. And here, um, there was a really big gentleman there. She thought, oh, he probably plays for, like, the NBA or something. She just noticed him, but nothing, you know. Because we, we have to really look around us. Mm-hmm. Like, if you feel uncomfortable, you need to leave, or you mm. you you're suspicious, go with your gut. So she was leaving the store, and this big fella already left, and the woman working there said, ma'am, 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 um, I have to tell you something. And she's like, what? And she's like, that guy was filming you. And she's like, what? So the police came up, security, they looked at the cameras and stuff, and her husband came running up. The kids were freaking out. And basically what they were doing is he was filming because there was other guys like at Nordstrom's or whatever other places, other stores. You see this woman and these kids, see where she's going out. So when you approach her, this is what the cops sort of, they'll approach you at the parking lot when you're getting in your car and they'll say, we'll kill your kids if you don't come with us or they'll take them all. Mm-hmm. And you have no choice. But, you know, her is she still, still scared? I mean, yeah. she's still worried. Like, sure. That how did they, how did they even find her mm-hmm. you know it's almost like do they know about certain people do they find people on the internet i don't know but it was just very very scary, scary. and you know one thing you don't think it's going to happen to our age right and one thing we we do tell people people ask us all the time about the white van at walmart Yes, you know, but the white van. The, oh, this uh, guys are following people at walmart and yeah you hear those stories all the time and yes it does happen but it's probably what do you say, Joe? One or two percent of the time. The if rest that, of it's online. Yeah. It's online. Or, is or, where. or even physical encounters. Yes. Like we had a case of girl was trafficked out of a university. She was nineteen. What do you mean? Somebody just came and grabbed her? No, befriended her. Somehow he built this relationship with her, and because um, the parents just reported her missing, and we ended up getting a phone call. Um, months after she was reported missing and they were getting the occasional phone call but she hooked up with this guy next thing you know she quits college she got arrested here in pennsylvania on a drug and gun charge with them so they knew that and they called us and just said hey we're trying to find her they just kind of thought she was not basically kidnapped but maybe being held against her will maybe not right so as they told the story to our head investigator he says it sounds like she's being trafficked they had no idea what that meant they're like, what's that? So oh they had, we had a conversation with them, and it was absolutely the case. It sounded like it. So we said, hey, send us all this information, her photo, you know, all description of her, phone number, and all the personal information we could get. Right. So and we have technology. We have these analysts who are very skilled. We find her on an escort site in two and a half days. Oh. 
Wow, that was fast. Well, we called the sheriff's office in the state she was missing, and they had been looking for her for over three and a half months and were ready to throw it in a cold case file. Oh, no. That's what we do. Yeah. We can hunt. We can find. You know, now, not all of them are successes. You know, sometimes they take a long time. Well, and the story is, I mean, we located them. We turned it over to law enforcement. They did their thing, and there was an indictment two months ago. This guy won't get out of jail, but she just had his baby. And she's still thinking he's her boyfriend. Oh, no. That's that trauma bond. It's like brainwashed or yeah, similar. Like, yeah. yeah. It, no, it can be broken. It can be treated, you know. But until you start peeling back the layers of this epidemic, that's when you can understand it. You know, there's always a backstory. Right. You know, and people are like, well, what about the sex workers union? You know, we, we've had them show up at some of the council meetings we've been to talking and they're litigating their right to do what they want. Well, they certainly can. And then you have this whole movement of, well, if you legalize prostitution, this sex trafficking thing would stop. It's that's, no, that's insane. That's yeah, it's insane. It's no, insane. it's not the same thing, and it's and it's not true. We've spoken right. to a case out in um, Nevada where the brothels are legal. Spoke to some girls out of there. They had to escape. They took their IDs, limited contact to go into town. They all live there. They're like, don't believe it because right. it's they're manipulating us. I mean, we were all manipulated. So. You really got to investigate it. You really got to do your diligence to understand it. And it's always changing. Right. It's tradecraft. And, you know. You have to realize that there's so much money involved. This is why it's growing so much. Mm-hmm. Because think about it, $150 billion a year. One, one trafficker with three girls can make like half a million a year. That's why it's growing, because of the money. Right. Anywhere that there's money, you're going to have evil, you know. Are they and selling them? Is that why? And they're yeah. making money? Prostitution. They're yeah. yeah. They sell these girls like 30 times a day. Oh they just put them in a hotel room and then come in one after oh the other. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's what's happening to these girls. So it is growing so, so much, and it's growing so much on the Internet. And I personally feel like... It is America's dirty little secret that some nobody wants to talk about it. Oh, it's so evil, I can't think about it. Yeah, and I, when people say that to me, I say, yes, until it's one of your kids or one of your grandkids, then you'll want everybody to talk about it. Exactly. So I think what we Are have they waiting to, for that? Are people waiting for it to happen? To no, them? I think they just close their eyes and think, if I don't think about it, if I don't talk about it, it's not going to affect me. But one day it will. Right. And it's growing so exponentially that eventually it's going to be like drugs. You're going to either... It's going to affect your family or it's going to affect your neighbor's family. It's going to be somebody you know is going to be affected by it. Right. And and I said to Joe, we have to start a movement. We have to start a movement where people talk about it. We need to get churches behind it. We need to have everybody aware of this situation. And I liken it to Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Right. When I emigrated to this country, which was 34 years ago, you would think nothing of going to a party, having a half a dozen drinks, getting in your car and driving home. Right. Absolutely nothing about it. Right. But because a group of mothers who'd lost their kids to drunk drivers got together and started mother, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, they did not stop. They didn't stop talking about it. They didn't stop working it. They changed legislation, and legislation changed the culture. And now mm-hmm. everybody thinks about you don't you don't drink and drive. Ninety percent of people don't do that. Right. They get a designated driver or they get an Uber, and it's all because those mothers started that off. Right. And that's what we have to do with human trafficking. We have to make people aware that this is going on to protect our kids because it's getting younger and younger and younger. It used to be the average age for a boy to look at pornography was fourteen years. Now it's twelve. At 12 years old, they're looking at hardcore porn. Right. That's doing something to their brains. Oh, yeah. It's confusing them. So by the time they're in their 20s, now that hardcore porn's not enough. Mm-hmm. Now they want something worse. And it creates it on both sides. You can be vulnerable on the trafficking side, or you can be a trafficker. It could be a sickness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and this whole thing has been under the guise of prostitution for many, many hundreds of years, right? Not knowing 
the demand side thinks, well, they're just doing it to make their cash. Right. They don't understand that probably 80, 85% of them are being trafficked against their will. And until we can identify the demand and talk about that, even legislation, I mean, it, there's so many loopholes to get these traffickers because, like, the whole fear and trauma bond, even when they get arrested for prostitution, they don't want to talk about no, it, No, right? they don't want to say that this person did yeah. this. They want to protect them. Yeah, there's right. A, there's also a problem with the, with the Johns, with the buyers. You know, there's not enough... There's not enough. There's not a penalty. To a it. penalty to it. There's like a slap on the hand. Naughty boy, you bought a prostitute. You oh, know. Jeez. You, yeah, yeah. There should be. There should be against to, the law. To, yes. It's a summary offense. Right. It yeah. is against the law. But it's not. But like a really bad criminal. And thing, also right? part of the problem is you have some very influential people on the demand side and powerful people. You look at Epstein's case. Oh. I mean, he's not the only one. He's yeah. not the only one out there. You know, I mean, this doesn't discriminate on either side, on the demand side either. He used that woman to be like... Sure, she was his recruiter, you yeah. know. And, yeah. and even he got he got charged in the 90s, and they really reduced the charges because he extorted everybody. He had him on film. Right. We're finding out now. But that was 22 years or so before it came back to trial. Those four to six victims, those girls who were kids, to Sue's point about the movement and Mothers Against Drunk Driving and... They wouldn't, their voice was heard. They would not stop bringing it up, calling people out until finally Something he went to jail. And of course, he was killed in jail or committed suicide in jail. There's, believe what you want there. Now she's in jail. Okay, well, what did you convict her on? Where are the people that were, these girls were sold to? They had right. a convict of her of a crime. Well, where are, where's the crime? Right. I mean, none of the, they're all sealed. And it's because they're influential people. There was a rape case at one of the universities, and this will just give you an idea about just general people. The boy that raped the girl by a dumpster or something outside, she drugged her, or she was really drunk, and he got caught. I think the police pulled up, or she reported it the next day, and he was oh arrested. Oh, my gosh. And it went to trial. The dad, I think, was, was wealthy, and he had a lot of attorneys trying to get it thrown out, but it didn't. And the boy got convicted of, I don't know, 10, 15 years. I'd have to go back and look at the case. Yeah. The dad gave a statement afterwards and said, I can't believe my boy's going to jail for 10 to 15 years for five minutes of fun. <gasps> what is wrong with people? That's a parent. That's a parent that that's what he felt. He's, def- he's defending his son and not seeing Correct. Like, the problem here. Correct. Correct. It just... Oh, it's mind-blowing. But it's our society. It's what pornography has done to our society. It's like pornography is just fun. They don't. That's another thing with these porn, uh, this pornography. They don't realize that those girls who are laying there, some of them, are being forced to do that. Right. You don't know if there's somebody off camera who's threatening them or have a gun to their head, you know, like if you don't do this and look like you're enjoying it. Right, that's true. Yeah, you don't it, know. There's it, all that underlying. It's yeah. the same thing. It's the vulnerability and manipulation and the control. You know, that's why this thing's grown to $150 billion, and we're not even talking about the child piece right. here. And, we're, and, we're definitely going to have to have some more segments on this because I don't want this to get buried. No, and it's... Yeah. Is we when we started this, we knew it was a behemoth, but we had, I'd never done anti-trafficking work. I was a counterterrorism guy, explosive guy. But Sue and I, and we had some partners in the beginning. You know, some people come around. We really did our. We still do it every day. We're here every day. If I'm not on the road or if Sue's not having meetings, we're learning this. We're learning this tradecraft because it's always changing. And the way we're going to move the needle is we need some people to get behind us. We need influential people. We need money people. We need legal people. We need advocates. We need the churches. Right. We need it all. You know, and it can be done. I mean, we're not going to stop it. This thing's since the beginning of time. There's been slavery. It is going to continue. And, you know, just in our short five years, some of the strides we've made to help so many people, right. you know, and, and provide them a way out. Uh, right in, in other countries, too. You know, I don't know mm-hmm. if we spoke about it yet, but, but we, we haven't. We got five kids in Uganda we've rescued because I have a team down there. So we got them out of the trafficking. Some of them, their own parents sold them. We have them in We pay for their school tuition, their books, their clothes, their uniforms, their beds, their housing, their food. Wow. And we have them 
now their agent is ready. You didn't know we picked up two more. I was just going to say, you just said five. I thought we only had three. <laughs> yeah, well, one's wow, going, one, we're going to get her back to her grandmother. But This it, makes me feel so good because I yeah. want to see the light yeah. at the end of the time. And I want to see some. We have them till they age out of school, which is about 17. And somebody asked me the other day, they're like, uh, are they going to have a normal life? I said, they absolutely will because we're protecting them now. That's right. And they're young. And in their country, what they're now, the access and the resources to these better schools, we'll even hopefully in, in that time, we'll have some people stepping by with some scholarships. Let's get them in university. These kids will change their country. Nice. That's you know? so wonderful. And the same in Nepal. I was yeah. over there. Same there. We're, we're committed there. But 80% of our work's here problems right here right. and this is where we're at and you know we're not afraid to take on any challenge we're about the solutions to this exactly and you know that through our conversations yes. you know you can go on our website you can see all these things but we do so much more that's not you on do. there I, and, I, mean, I, I call you Rambo because I'm like <laughs> he's, you know, he's out there he is going to find you he is going to find you and protect and, you and one thing I've always said is you know we have four analysts that, that are hunting predators online every day Imagine if we had the money to have 20 full-time analysts. Yes. We can only do as much as the donations come in. You know, we right. spend all the money doing whatever it is the research, we do. The research, the technology. Yeah. yeah. So, Manpower, you know, you know it's just... And, and some people were like, what can I do to help? Well, if you can just donate $15 a month, you know, right. something like that. If, you, if you can't go out and physically do what we're doing, two things you can do is you can talk about it and make people aware of it. Right. And you can support us in what, what we do. So, Well, let me ask you this, Joey, before we wrap it up. And you can answer this too, Sue. So um, for a college student or even any woman, uh, young boy or anything, if you are out and it's dark out, and you're at a store, and you feel uncomfortable. You're like, oh, these people following me, or, you know, you just get that sense. What would you say to do? How do you get out of something, a situation? First thing is, if you think you're being threatened, call 911. Call the police. If you're unsure, if you, you know, that's kind of a tough question to answer without knowing the entirety of the situation. But if you truly think somebody is there to hurt you, harm you, or abduct you, call 911. Go back in the store, go back somewhere, make the call. Or call somebody. Call your mom, your dad, your friends. Right behind it, don't go out by yourself. Right. You know, be situationally aware. Exactly. I am aware. I mean, it's just been my career for 29 years. But my family and kids even know we go in a restaurant, they know not where to sit at the table. They know where I want to sit. Right. It's just conditioning. Yeah. And don't trust a lot of people. Yeah, and you know, that's so hard. And one thing I see teenagers doing a lot, and it could be in the dark, it could be during the day. They're walking around, they're looking at their phones, and they're not looking around, around. them. Yes. When you're walking through a parking lot and you're coming out of a store and everything, don't be on your phone. Right. Watch where you're going. Get in your car, lock the car. Right. Then look at your phone. Oh, yeah. You know? And talking to you guys, I have really stepped up my awareness. You know, I'm making sure I'm looking around me, mm-hmm. looking where the door is sure. to mm-hmm. get out of a situation. I mean, just today I grabbed lunch and it was all men in there. And I, I felt a little like, should I walk out? And it's it's something that, you know, I don't want to put a fear in everybody everyday life. Right. But right. you just right. got to feel and say, you know what, is this okay? Yeah. You know what, Joe, we have three daughters, and, and Joe always told our kids when they were younger, if you have that feeling in the pit of your stomach, God put it there for a reason. Right. Follow it. Mm-hmm. If you feel it's not right, it's usually not right. Right. You've yeah. got that gut feeling for a reason. So. For sure. And, and don't set yourself up to be the victim. Right. Be aware. Should we like? Should we be carrying something like mace? Or I no. mean, there's nothing we can do if they take us. Like our phone location... Usually they take your phone, isn't mm-hmm. it? Right? Yeah. Well, it depends. You know, yeah, they give you a new phone. I mean, don't I don't want to read ghosts into this. Yeah, we'll have to talk more yeah. about this. You know, I mean, just be just be aware. Just be aware. And if you see something that you want to report, we have a tip line. What we, is that tip line? It, it's actually one, it's eight seven seven save nine nine four. Yeah, the actual number, if you know, because we have save is something easy to remember. It's eight seven 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 two eight three nine nine four. Same, same, right? 
Okay. Yeah. And you can leave a tip line saying, "Hey, you know, we've we've had a situation here. We think there might be something going on." And they can. Most people leave. It's a recorded line because okay. we don't have the staff to man it. You know, right. and we get back to you within hours. Four of us get a notification on this. Most people leave their information for us to call back. Sometimes it's anonymous because they're afraid. Right, because if it's somebody that is being, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, they're afraid to Kidnapped. get involved. You know, they're but you know. Also, if they see something like, like I saw something at Sheets a couple of years ago, the guy was definitely trafficking these two young girls. Just walk by and get a take a picture of the license plate yes. without getting caught. Don't put yourself in danger. Just walk by and get a picture of that, get a picture of the car, get a picture of the guy, get a picture of the girls. Right. We can do so much with a photograph of the girls or a phone number plate. or tattoos. Mm-hmm. You know, any information you can get, that's what we do. Now, like I said, sometimes... They're difficult. It takes months, maybe. Sometimes, maybe it's just a dead end, too. But right. we have a lot of successes, too. And, um, you know. I appreciate you, too. Yeah. And it, you know. Starting this and really putting your time and money into saving other children. So well, I'll be honest with you. We, we've been, yeah. you know, the last six years, it's when we talked about When I first said to Sue, it was December or January of 17. We, 16. We, 16. December of 16. I says, I've done as much research as I can. I can't, I can't, I've talked to everybody. I mean, everybody I knew. I said, we got to do something. And she kind of looked at me and she said, what are you going to do? And I was a little taken back by it. Like, but I I know what she was saying. Like, this thing is monstrous. Right. There were two people here. Yeah. And And then she says, she says, Joe, you're gone six, seven months a year. Gone. And I said, I don't know, but we got to figure it out. And we did it by March. We had at least the vision. And talking to some people that are smarter than me on these stuff, you know, building these templates, building this cyber, doing the investigations, the surveillance, easy for me, right? Operations are easy for me. Right. And it has just come together. I mean, to the point now, we're in a growth period here. We have to sort of sit back and we got some people helping us to expand because that's where we're at. But, you know, it's every day and, and it's actually brought now. This year, we've talked about it, and I'm transitioning, I think, out of my contract work. Okay. Which is a little bit of a little bit of a leap. Right. But there's too much work here. But there, your passion that you we, both have, you know, I can see it in both of your eyes, that you wanted, like, you're going full force. This is oh, not yeah. going to stop. Have, no, we this have to. Gonna stop. We have to keep going. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I had a meeting this morning, and, you know, these kids get bullied with some of this. I told them, I said, we can stand between you and this this predator. And, it, and I don't mean showing up with weapons. and I, We'll get in between it for you because right. we're not intimidated by anybody. Men and women I work with, we've been all over in these, in these situations, and we know how to handle them. We know how to, to, to react appropriately within the law. But having said that, a lot of people, because of Joe's background and what he's done in the past, think that these guys are door kickers, and they're not. We're an intelligence-gathering organization, and when we have the facts, we hand it over to law enforcement because we don't have any arrest powers. Right. Law enforcement does. You have all the research. We have the research. We do all the work, and then they do the arresting. They're they're, they're busy doing trying to keep the city safe. Exactly. And you guys are doing this to keep our children safe. Yeah, they're doing the best they can. Right. Right. And we're just here to help them not get in their way. You know, but we're handling it from the two ways, going after the predators, and getting the kids in school. Yes. We still do the middle piece where there are already people in the bit, in the industry of being trafficked. Yeah. We still work that. So that's kind of how we're trying to collapse on it. You know, right. this should be in, the, like you said, the junior high and the high schools mm-hmm. and in the colleges mm-hmm. because we need yeah. to get the younger and yeah. I think educated. we just spoke at Slippery Rock. One of our folks did. Yeah, yeah. We've got to. It's hard to keep track now. We we got so many requests for speaking. We have a a staff now that handles that. How would someone get a hold of you if they wanted to talk? Wanted to go to their school? If they go on the web, if they go on the website, info at theaservoproject dot org. Okay. You know, it's or just go on the site www.theaservoproject.org. There's a contact page and there's info at. Send an email. I get those info at emails, info at the server project, and say, hey, I need to talk to you. I want to talk to you more about this. I want to learn more. And that's what we tell people. You're going to have to do your own research. I'll help you with that. Right. But if you have a particular set of skills, yeah. then we'll have a serious discussion on those. Right. And also, if you if it's a school, um, what we do with the schools is our education people go in and they 
they show the presentation to the teachers and the counsellors so they can see what they're going to show the kids. There might be slides in there, oh, we don't like that one, we'll take it out. Then we ask them to send out a a form to the parents to, you know, the, the permission slips. Why would you say no? Why yeah, we haven't had any say no at this point. We offer that to them, right, you yeah. know, and it's the it's the administrations of the schools we we show the presentation yeah. to as well, right? As well as right, the teachers, like that. Sue said. And for the most part, they they haven't asked to change much. No, you know, it's pretty right. well this developed. This is real life. This is yeah. what's really going yeah. on. Well, if they can teach them at five and six years old whether they want to change the sex, right. why can't they tell them about this? Right, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I am just so excited that this is going on. Like, oh, hooray! Like, we're we're doing stuff. We're moving. We're mm-hmm. we're getting down to the nitty gritty with this because, like you said, we're not hearing it every day on the news. Mm. We don't think it's still going on. Well, guess what? It's going on yeah. every day. Every day. I'll close All with one thing. Yes. We had a predator that was convicted in 2021 in another state. Six to eight year sentence. Did eight months, got out. Our analyst tracked him three and a half months ago, already back online looking for sex with 13, 14-year-old girls. So we turn it in, right? He gets picked up again. The second right? time? Well, he got picked up to go to jail. Now, the guy's on probation or parole or whatever that particular state's rules are. We picked him up again last week, so he's allowed again. So the, the laws, this cashless bail, this week on crime thing, they don't treat this like the crime it is. This guy, they caught him two weeks ago. Again, oh, no. so we're processing that again. So when when Sue was saying how this exponentially just keeps growing, there's a there's an example right there. Mm-hmm. Legislatively, we're also involved in that with our. We got some really great state senators working with us. I don't want to mention who they are at this point, but they're just as passionate about this because That's this great. is the future of our kids. Yes. Because when we're gone, we're gone. You think this is going to go away, and you don't get a second chance, right? Because exactly. the, the, the abuse and the trauma they experience at this young age is very difficult. You know, it takes them a while to heal. Anyway, you know, we're at it. And, and one, thing, I one thing I do want to say is that, and one of the analysts point, that pointed this out to me, that we are in a situation now that it's never happened before. The parents who are like in their 40s who have teenage kids now, the kids know more than the parents when it comes to social media. Mm-hmm. That's never happened before. It's always right. that you, the parents know more than the kids. So until the twenty-year-olds who have kids, until their te- have their kids are teenagers, then they will understand. But the, the forty, forty-five-year-old parents who didn't grow up with the internet, yes, uh, that's the kids know that's... more than the parents mm-hmm. do, yeah, and that's do. very scary. Right, because they're putting, you know, bathing suit pictures out there or things like that, and they're not realizing that you're putting yourself out there and you're vulnerable to mm-hmm. someone who may be like, hey, you look so nice. Can you be a model? Yeah. Yeah. A friend yeah. of mine, her daughter was is a model, trying to be a model in her 20s, called me. Somebody took her pictures from Instagram and created a porn site with them. Oh, my gosh. And I don't know how she found out. She called me in a panic. I was in Afghanistan at the time. And... Uh, so we had the guys look at it, and somebody started a fake profile, but with all her daughter's pictures. Jeez. So, yeah. That is so scary. So when you put this stuff out there, it's out there. Right. That's the key. Yeah, you, know? you got to be careful. you got to yeah. be safe. I mean, the two of you are partners, man. You are going to take this on, and I am just really? so excited that this is going on. Mm-hmm. And it's making me aware. It's making me aware for my family and friends that are out there that, yeah, they want to show a nice picture of themselves on the Internet because they sure. want to be like, you know. Yeah get attention and I understand that because you know women sometimes need to to feel beautiful yeah a way of you know people saying oh my gosh you look so great and I mean I've been known to do it myself so I can't say anything about that but it's just being safe and knowing who's Mm -hmm. taking your picture like that's the hard part so and a lot of these young girls don't realize also the things that they see on the internet there's so many filters on that and people just change right it's not reality. Right, it's, it's not reality. It's not reality. And that, you know, they're, they're lead, these people are leading fake lives. And, right. you know, don't be tempted to think, oh, if I looked like that, you know, right. if I did this, if I did that, my life would be perfect. Because it's not. No. And nobody's life is perfect. Perfect, no. Just, you know, making awareness that there are things going on in our world that we don't want to talk about. And this was the um, perfect subject for me right now because I really do feel like hearing, you know, a friend of mine who just happened like a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. that she was in Florida Mm -hmm. makes me realize, wait a minute, 
this can happen mm-hmm. to any age, right. to anybody, yeah. anywhere, anywhere, any country. Right. If you're any out of United state, States. it's a lot easier for someone to take you when you're not yeah. in your hometown, but right. yeah. it could be anywhere. Yeah. Well, you know, too, and if people have some time, we have that night at the races on the oh, 19th. That's, that's right. I don't know if I'll be airing it then, but tell us about a fundraiser that's coming up in 2023. We don't have the dates yet locked in. No, we're but going we're through them. I'll be able to put that like the week before Easter will be the first one. I think that will be the clay shoot. We had a clay yeah. shoot this year at Seven Springs, and we'll probably. I think it is the week before Easter or the week after Easter, yeah. something like that. It'll probably be the first. Right, I'll get event. all that information yeah. from you once yeah. I air this. But yeah, you do have the night, the races, and, and then we have a night at the opera as well. On oh. December 8th. Yeah. Oh, nice. See, that's nice. And this is stuff that you will do next year too, or you, yeah. Yeah. you change yeah. it up? Yeah, we typically have four or five fundraisers, okay. you know, and some of them have been over years now, they've been successful. Nice. You know, and it's not only the fundraising piece, we get to talk to people, we have people come up and share some information with right. us about their experiences, and plus it's just a fun time. Right, you're making it a fun time out of to, a situation that's so yeah. and, and it's, tragic. And it's casual tragic. to have these conversations in right. person, especially right. when people are a little bit guarded with them. Yes. We make ourselves available all the time. We've never turned on a meeting or an event since we started this. You didn't turn me down, Jenny. (laughs) Thank you, guys. I just love you, too. I think that you guys just really inspire me to try to make a change or try to do something to help. Well, and we thank you for what you're doing. I've been watching since we met. You know, you said you had the podcast, and it's cool. You know, it's it's what it is. It's a team effort. It's sharing information, you know, working together to make a difference in whatever the cause is. My biggest uh, thing right now is to get that out there that are things that we don't want to talk about but Mm -hmm. are going on Mm -hmm. that needs to be talked Talked about. about. Yeah. Yeah. So I thank you, too, for being on school with me. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Yeah, it was great. It's always good seeing you. It's always good seeing you, too. Take care. Thank you so much for joining me with Spill With Me, Jenny D. You can be anonymous, planning on having guest speakers, or anyone who wants to share their life experiences on the topic we covered that week. I'm going to post all that on my Facebook and website, so you will see what I'll be talking about that week. So give me a call. I can pre-record and put you on my, my episode that day. I stress this. I personally feel to heal yourself is to talk about it. And if we can help each other instead of keeping it bottled up and just release it, I think that it's going to help all of us. And let's have a lot of fun. I can't wait to hear from you guys. Oh, I'm so excited. This is still with me, Jenny D.